All right, welcome to another bonus episode of Weapon of Choice podcast. My name is Andrew Benda. This is Tommy Franklin. How y'all doing? All right, so we've got a couple of uh, Tommy. We've got a couple of interviews for folks. What are they? What are they going to hear this episode? So yeah, this is the bonus showing up episode in regards to uh, ICE and immigration fuckery going on in our country, and it's happening everywhere. So obviously, it's happening up here in Minnesota, and right. uh, we are definitely um, as in much solidarity as we can be. Any, at any given time with uh, our immigrant population here still working to uh, do what they need to do to make sure that they go beyond what they've already been doing is living life, trying to live a good life, mm-hmm. working, paying taxes, feeding their kids, raising their kids, sending their kids to school, sending themselves to school. Like, man, shit's, shit is wild out here. And uh, we just wanted to... Uh, show up in the way that we do and the way we like to highlight um, moments and times when folks in community are showing up with this bonus episode. And uh, we headed out to uh, one of the ICE detention centers at one of the federal buildings in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, where there was a protest put on by uh, a lot of amazing organizers, too many to name. Um, but uh, many, many from the Jewish community showing their solidarity and beyond their solidarity, their hard work and efforts to um, organize community and bring them out for these causes, causes like these. Um, Karen Rotts over at J- and all the folks over at JCA, Jewish Community Action. And there are a lot of other folks out there um, mm-hmm. really showing up. A lot of familiar faces. It was packed. Yeah. Was a lot of people. I mean, it was great. and this was this was a very intricate um, action because the way the roads were set up, there were highway entries and exits in, in road road entrances and exits. Like when you're shutting down a street or streets, like the way the geography of this land was co- uh, configured or the construction of the, the roads, it made it very difficult. So there had to be shutting downs of like multiple, multiple intersections mm-hmm. all within two blocks. It was weird. And they, they, man, these folks pulled it off, and so many people showed up, and uh, it, it was beautiful. Shut too. it down. It was they shut it down. They blocked in the feds, all the federal workers who some were not opposed, but some were obviously opposed, and you'll hear some of that they in this heated, episode. Yeah. yeah, so we hit that. We hit that up. We got the we got the sounds and sounds. I can't say sights and sounds, but we got the sounds and sounds, or you can say sights and sounds if you get on our Instagram, which is at Weapon of Choice Podcast. There are going to be some photos there. Um, having to do with this bonus episode, but we, we caught up with folks um, who were showing up, who were protesting, who were, um, you know, putting their bodies on the line even. Um, definitely bodies were on the line. We had to really thwart physically, thwart more and on more than one occasion cars that tried to drive through uh, our human body lines. Um, thank goodness they didn't ram through and they just tried to drive through at a three to four mile an hour pace where we could jump out of the way and folks could get out of the way and still smack the shit out of their hoods and cars and be like, what the fuck is going on? You idiots. Um, but so you're going to hear, you're going to hear that. Um, you're going to hear from that protest showing up. And also we interviewed uh, a couple of amazing folks doing work, organizing immigrant communities, black immigrant communities, 
doing a lot of intersectional work via uh, multiple diasporas, trying to build those bonds and strengthen the cause for our collective liberation. So you're going to hear those two interviews um, at the top of this episode. And uh, look forward to those because they're, I mean, this might be my favorite, uh, mm-hmm. this might be my favorite showing up episode and it's definitely one of my favorite episodes because when I listen back to the interviews, I'm like, God, this was so needed. Like the words, uh, the words from these folks are so needed. So really, really, I encourage you to really, really listen to these interviews and they're the first two interviews in the beginning and then you hear the sounds of the ice protests and it's all fucking beautiful, but all definitely worth your time and your ears. And we appreciate your time. We appreciate your time. I mean, Andrew, like when you're hearing sights and when, when you're hearing sounds of protests and chants mm-hmm. and people in the streets screaming, yelling out in solidarity, what does yeah. that do for you? Just the sounds of a protest. That's a great question. The, uh, I think especially this last one, this was about a, a month ago now, but there was so much music um and uh there were so many like the songs and everything really really make me feel like there's no other place that i should be um you know it did there was a lot of like uh drivers that had hot tempers people shouting things people blaring on their horn right like we were disrupting uh, what was, you know, the normal day-to-day, the normal day-to-day at the ice building. So it gets really tense and at times it can feel almost scary. But um, the music, the sounds, like the fact that there was, uh, a, you know, a band that showed up and was playing horns and drums. I mean, that to me just reinforces like this is exactly where I need to be. And it just, it really does fill me with joy to know that uh, there's these other people around me and we're, we're really, you know, in a way celebrating that we've come together to shut down business as usual. Right, and right. Business right. as usual at the ice building is terrifying. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, there are even trying to, um, what was a private owned prison for many years in Western Minnesota in Appleton, Minnesota, they are trying to reopen that private owned prison to, um, to house, ICE detainees and yep there's legislators trying to I mean there's legislators in the Minnesota state legislature have been trying to reopen and keep open when the times it was open that prison um and we always got to fight that shit and we shut it down a couple of times we shut it down from reopening over the last few years a couple times um the Appleton prison which uh was formerly CCA owned by the company called CCA, called Corrections Corporation of America, but we made that we made Corrections Corporation of America CCA. We made that that acronym and, and, and that name so fucking toxic that they changed their name in like 2017 to Civic Corps. Civic Corps sounds more like a construction company, not a, a prison yeah. private prison owned firm or whatever. But yeah. so we gonna have to shut that shit down again. We are gonna have to make sure we're in the capital making sure that all of our people's voices are heard so that it doesn't become a prison again. It's fucked up. And, uh, you know, so everybody stay woke, you know, and uh, a lot of lot going on here in Minnesota, a lot going on where you are. And, yeah, if there's things going on where you are, where you're fed the fuck up anywhere in the world, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in London, Turkey, 
Palestine, Jerusalem, <coughs> Brazil, wherever you are, mm-hmm. hit us up. Hit us up on social media. You can DM us. Hit us up on Instagram at Weapon of Choice Podcast. Facebook is at Weapon of Choice Podcast. You're going to see what, what what we got going on at both of those pages. But you can, I mean, we're on Twitter at Weapon Choice Pod. But I, I recommend Instagram and Facebook. And then if you really want to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you uh, at our email, which is Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. That's Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. And for those of you who have been diehard listeners, or you've only li- you've been listening recently and you love our show, there are folks who listen, who give monthly to our show to help us make this show at our Patreon. So that is patreon.com forward slash weapon of choice podcast. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash weapon of choice podcast. You can give a dollar or more per month and it will go a long way in making sure that we can sustain the show and keep building and growing this show. We love everybody for tuning in and even giving money and we hope we can get more support from all of you. Mm. All right. Let's roll the tape. We got two interviews. Stick around for the audio from the protest because it is choice. Yes. Enjoy, y'all. So I'm Nikessa, and I live in Minneapolis, and I'm a co-founder of the Black Immigrant Collective and communications director of uh, Undocu Black Network, which is based in D.C. And so as both organizations descriptively say uh, we work with black immigrants and uh, we work at the intersections of all the ways in which black immigrants exist in this country and uh, both organizations are advocacy and justice uh, organizations and so my interest in this is as a black immigrant myself uh, I often find that we are erased and out of a lot of these conversations and I'm very interested in uh, making sure that we're visible and that we are also working in solidarity with other marginalized people uh, across the country and locally. So, yeah, like especially with these ice rays, a lot of the general public is for the first time, general public, uh, progressive or otherwise, on social media and whatnot are starting to learn that there's a lot more that goes into being prepared um, in terms of information disseminated to folks who are worried for their loved ones, family members, and themselves even. And there's a lot of information provided by places like the ACLU or otherwise, but usually when people are sharing that information, they're commenting or making captions and might not be giving out the right information. So how is that a danger? Uh, how does that further the danger to community trying to uh, protect themselves from the racist regime? So the thing is, people are in crisis and they're terrified. You know, people are not going to church. They're not going to mosques. They're pulling their kids out of uh, daycare. So we have a responsibility to share useful and correct information. And unfortunately, what happens is when people see, you know, an unmarked car or they see people they assume to be ICE who might be cops, uh, they start sharing information and saying there's a raid. So one, actually what's happening right now is not raids. This is like targeted arrests that ICE is doing, which they've always done. And because raids is when they will go to a place and raid like 300 people. Yeah, like a company or something. Right. But so what's happening right now, they're specifically looking for people who have final orders of removal. And... (laughs) 
keep going. So they're specifically looking for folks who have final orders of removal. And so what we've been doing is across different organizations, grassroots organizations and organizers and is training those people on what to do when ICE shows up to their door. And to be able to be effective, they need to be calm so that they can make the right decision. When there is panic and chaos, people will make wrong decisions. They'll freak out. And as black people, particularly for black immigrants, you know you run away from law enforcement that that could result in loss of life. And so the risk, like it is really irresponsible to share wrong information. It is really inf irresponsible to terrify people any more than they're already terrified. So we need to verify everything. And if you can't verify, there are folks who you can check in with, you know, like you can contact any of the multitude of organizations who work with immigrants and then they can verify, is this an ICE raid? Worst case scenario, I mean, best case scenario, if you can't do that, record it. Like take pictures, take video, and then share that information. But don't, uh, and share it responsibly, not necessarily let make it go viral online on social media because that will make people even more terrified. Yeah, you know, and then, so like how, with so much out of our control in terms of people clicking away, posting away, so much of that, like, if not all of it is out of our control once it's out there in that, you know, universe, how do we, like what, what perhaps works or what have you seen work or what is the challenge of making that clear message of be careful what you post, be careful what information you post. How, how do you make that resonate with folks? So they're actually outside of trainings because we can't have a million trainers because there's no time. So like, how do we make that resonate with folks who have that habit of just quick posting and resharing and posting? And, and it's like, slow down. You can't just every day tell someone to slow down and stop because if they're already doing it, that's just a whole nother conversation. And then, you know. Yeah, I think that's a larger conversation around how we use social media and even, you know, the rise of fake news because that has actually contributed to like horrible situations. So it's not just uh, what's happening with ICE right now. It is also the consequences of, poli of elections is when you share information that you haven't verified that's not true that's dated, then it's irresponsible and dangerous. I don't know how else to say it, but like take a moment to think about the consequences beyond yourself. Because also I think a lot of times people who are not impacted are centering themselves. So everyone is like, oh, F ICE, this ICE, I'm not gonna let ICE do anything to my community, but then you are perpetrating the harm because what are you doing? Like is, I think people should be thinking of practical ways that they're helping undocumented immigrants or they're supporting them. And creating more fear is not useful because people are already terrified. Like if I tell you how many calls we get, and you know, I mentioned earlier, people are not showing up to places they're supposed to show up to. Like that kind of fear is, actually a strategy of this administration to just create chaos and to make us like permanently afraid so the rest of us who are not part of that administration should be thinking about how we are participating in his terrorism yeah so if, if folks want to show up in that more um 
and if folks want to show up, allies, so to speak, want to show up in that more productive way outside of uh, um, tallying up their woke posts, step one would be stop doing that. But then what would the next steps be? So with the woke posts, that's hilarious. Um, yes, uh, I would say if you have money, even if it's $5, there's a, there's a fund in Minnesota called For Freedom Fund. So F-O-U-R freedom fund that pays the bonds of people who are in detention uh and then if you are a lawyer support any of the lawyers who are doing pro bono work if you are an educator uh host know your rights trainings protect like learn how you can protect the the kids who are in your schools if you're an employer learn how if ice comes in and for example sometimes what they'll do is they'll say if you're a citizen stand on one side if you're not stand on the other side you can refuse to do that and you should refuse to do that so the biggest thing is like educating yourselves on what it is that you can protect people like in a real practical way because uh, you know we call ourselves a sanctuary all of south minneapolis and the rest of minnesota has this sign saying all are welcome here like when you start thinking about the intersections of where immigrants exist you know if you're black if you're muslim if you're queer if you're like working class in what ways are people like literally showing up? Are you hiring undocumented people? Are you making sure that people have access to safe places that they can hide from ICE, <laughs> which is illegal? <laughs> so proceed with caution. <laughs> Unless you're a church or a hospital, you know, you'll be, uh, the consequences are, are really high for those that sort of thing. And the people who who are putting their lives on the line, but of course you don't have to go that far extreme. Figure yeah, out what's comfortable for you. It's scary though, because they're trying to lock up white people for hiding folks, so you know it's going to come down on. Listen, <laughs> listen. Yeah, I mean, and so I think there's like really practical things that folks can do. And then of course, like sharing information from organizations that like know your rights information. So, you know, t telling people if you have neighbors who are or you think are undocumented maybe you don't actually you shouldn't assume that people are undocumented but telling people don't open the door this is how an ice warrant looks like it must be signed by a, f a federal judge it can't just be something that some ice agent has scribbled and is forcing people to uh, to open doors with so i think there's like there's information out there that folks can read up on and because of the sensitivity of it, you really have to be intentional. You can't just do like careless reporting of stuff. Beyond the folks like deepest in it from an organizing standpoint, from a life experience standpoint, and that togetherness and solidarity that there's a, there's a togetherness and solidarity that does have kind of a through line. But what ways um, with these most, more recent scares are just like the ramping up literally day by day, month by month for the last three years? How have you seen solidarity um, become tighter, be become stronger? Because we talk a lot about there's so much negative shit to talk about. Like we could do this for 10 hours. But like where have you seen the strength um, be molded? and get stronger in community and within organizing? Uh, so I think there's a lot of it. One is, you know, lawyers across around the country here in Minnesota are really 
ramping up their pro bono services. They're really offering um, legal services and legal screenings to undocumented folks. Religious institutions, churches and mosques uh, and uh, synagogues are also uh, holding people in sanctuary and really being kind and compassionate about how they're doing it. And then on, from a mental health perspective, there's also been conversations and groups of mental health professionals who are coming together to figure out how to offer services and support for folks. Uh, because it's something that's really needed. And like when you have fear and trauma living in your body at that heightened pace, it's, it's like you cannot always think rationally or you know you're not going out to work you're getting physically ill so i think it's wonderful that all these people are using their privilege to show up the other thing too across the country is all the lawsuits that are you know coming out through at, like uh, litigation against the administration for all its racist ways and so these are organizations that are investing a lot of their resources to challenge the administration on what they're doing. And then in terms of organizing, uh, like folks working together who have previously either not worked together or have worked together on other issues, combining their resources to share that with folks, like, you know, uh, whether it's information sharing or sharing where, what we have seen, you know, if we've cited ICE somewhere, and sharing that with people so that people can use their own channels to connect with their their internal communities. So I think that has been really powerful to see. And then even though earlier on we were talking about like, you know, people sharing irresponsibly stuff on social media, I think part of that is people even though the you know the impact can be negative, is that people are recognizing that the attack on undocumented immigrants, and actually not everyone who's being attacked is undocumented. It's, you know, groups of immigrants who are also like on some shaky temporary uh, immigration status. And so it's been powerful to see that people start speaking up in solidarity, like people beginning to learn and understand what ICE is, people understanding the intersections between mass incarceration and detention uh, and working together like to understand that these are the same system that needs the yeah, same sort of Yeah, I mean, way. even like three years ago, they were not fucking under, people were not understanding that. Nope. And it's becoming, yeah, it's becoming increasingly clear. And I think part of it is also like, as a country, we have been talking publicly so much more about like, um, mass incarceration, Black Lives Matter, the criminal justice system, and the ways in which it, is not justice for black people, other people of color, working class folks. And so I think that people are beginning to see the parallels, you know? So for example, we know that people who people are likely to be t detained longer and to stay in detention longer if they don't have access to an attorney. Their bonds are likely to be high if they don't have access to an attorney. And it's the same situation if you're arrested and are a non-immigrant. So I think that that has been great to see, even though, you know, we're in crisis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then any moment, any moment we have to breathe or get past exha uh, exhaustion to either administer time to take care of ourselves, but also in those moments, maybe we can 
appreciate that progress, even though the progress day to day, minute to minute, hour by hour, some you know, just it, it, it's not as it's not as uh, present as the uh, the fear and the crisis and all that nature. So it's good to know um, that things are happening and there's somehow been progress even in the last three years off paper. Um, but in terms of community, much more on paper from a community sense, less so than a government sense. So, Yeah, and you know, the other thing too is even, especially as black people, thinking about how resistance sometimes is not recorded. Like you, you won't hear about some of these stories, but people are really showing up for each other. People are taking care of each other's children. They are... Uh, trying to help and support each other on how to figure out your your immigration case and how can you uh, get resources and if it's not solvable people are still and I can't even talk about everything but there, there are ways that people have always shown up for each other because we have to think about how we operate outside of the system because th this detention is only going to get worse like in every state there is talks of expansion in every ICE facility with private prisons. And we're hearing more and more of people being in detention for even longer than typically we've had. So I think thinking outside of systems is really important because the law will not save us. We were illegal once, you know, <laughs> Our, like illegal in terms of like black people, your existence was not we are not human, basically, in this country. So when you start thinking about things like that, then you know that historically all this, what we are experiencing right now is not new. And as we challenge laws and we challenge systems and the political administration, we also have to build a different system outside of that like, law or the legal framework. But in, in regards to this, in regards to this uh, issue, it's for sure for this country uh, who's listening in, but also the world, because like before podcasts and internet and all that shit, the worlds were clueless, and we're all going to end up in the same worlds, some version of our generations, family members, etc. So we all got to know what's going on in as real time as possible, and in history, we call this history happening in real time. You know, this is important to talk about now, but weapon of choice is history. So we need this. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. My name is uh, Mustafa Jumale. I am uh, one of the co-founders of the Black Immigrant Collective. I work in uh, public policy. Got you. All right, so uh, Thinking about the context of uh, rallies, protests, uh, actions, what do you think the importance of showing up is? Hmm. I, th I think it's really important to show up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important to show up. I think that um, a lot of people believe that protesters are wasting their time. In fact, I know they're not. You know, I, I'm reminded of this uh, this Somali gentleman that we were working with who was, who was uh, detained because of the Muslim ban. And they are, you know, the, um, his lawyers and some 
black migrant justice organizers organized a rally in front of the courthouse when his asylum hearing was happening. And his lawyers say that uh, the judge was influenced by that attention, influenced by the public pressure, and really believed that the direct action that was involved around his case ultimately led to him getting asylum. So yeah. it matters. Yeah, it matters. It matters um, for people to show up to public institutions um, and show their dissent. You know, um, I think it's important to dis- like disrupt the public flow, right? Like public life in order to make a statement. Particularly, you know, we're, we're living in a time where um, black, brown people We've always been under attack. That's this is not new. Uh, we've been under attack under Obama. We've been under attack both by the left and the right. What we're experiencing is like this new, more intense, more organized white supremacist agenda, um, which is actually being led by the top, and by the top I mean by the United States government leaders. You know, so. Ultimately, you know, a lot of like movements and a lot of uh, public social change has come through by people dissenting. So it's yeah, it's really important to show up. Yeah. Um, how do you, um, you know, in these high, let's just call let's just call them high tide moments of crisis uh-huh. when it comes to ice uh, threats to any given city workplace province if you will like when it comes to those high tides of uh, the threat of safety for um black and brown folks in community how does that affect um not only your job but the phone calls you take the texts you ingest and how you respond to folks who look to you um, for a lot of answers yeah, this is a re- yeah, this is a great question. So I've been working on immigration policy for the past two and a half years. I, um, you know, for the longest in my career, when the United States government puts out a press release, a statement, and tells you their intentions, you should believe it. You know, I've always operated under that. And so, early like earlier this summer, when Trump said that he was going to raid these communities and have massive raids in these cities. To me, I took it to heart. Um, what came to my mind is like the Liberian aunties that Black Immigrant Collective has been working with, um, who may be, you know, who may be detained. What, who comes to mind are like my undocumented friends and family members um, and colleagues. So we do, you know, we get like sad text messages we get people calling us uh, more my colleague Nakessa than myself who are just like in tears um, and for us like the response from these raids really was like okay so the Latinx community has all these know your rights videos material that, um, but the, I don't think like the black immigrants and the Asians, we are as prepared as the Latinx folks. So through these raids, you know, um, and through like me freaking out because 
thinking that my people were going to be detained. We formed a black migrant working group to come up with like know your rights materials in different languages spoke, spoken by black migrants and um, produce videos because, you know, our people are oral. So for us, that's how, you know, we've been responding to it. We've also, um, you know, we, we also don't really know what's going to happen. So we are as clueless as the general public in terms of like, is ICE going to actually follow through? We know that historically, like ICE hasn't uh, sent out statements notifying people of rates. We saw that uh, in Mississippi the other day, right? Where they did not notify, there was no public statement. Trump didn't say anything about it. And 600, 700 people were rounded up, detained. Children went to school that day and came home to no parents or guardians. That's traditionally how rates happen. Um, but yeah, there's a general level of fear, uh, in our communities. I, myself, I'm like a United States citizen. I've, I've been in the U S uh, since I was four years old, I carry around my passport, you know, because I don't know, I'm a black Somali immigrant. Right. And so I don't know, like next time that I'll be walking down the street and, ICE asks me a question or if I'm at the airport or near a border, you know? So I think there's just this general level of fear. And then, you know, for us, like, adults, yeah, we're, we're traumatized by it. We're impacted by it. Like, our mental health isn't so great these days. But it's really sad that children are also realizing that this is, that this is the new reality, you know? And um, they shouldn't have to be concerned about ICE. They shouldn't have to like worry about going to school and then not coming home. I mean, uh, coming home to no parents, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really devastating. Um, kids just out here like having breakdowns and bursting into tears every time they see law enforcement or see something on CNN. You know, they're cautious of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, we our our work has definitely um, been more intense lately. But I think the positive thing is that it really has forced the black migrant organizations and organizers um, to come together and work together and like formulate a plan, a response. Yeah, yeah. What a, can yeah? Can you speak to one or two silver linings of? connection and positive power between community as a result of uh you know being on high alert but what's that what that's done to like uh build some uh stronger community yeah i mean in minnesota for example because of all of because of the election of this uh president and because of the xenophobic racist environment um, anti-immigrant environment right now there's been like a group of um, migrant organizers who have come together who are like black Latinx Asians who are working together on public policy that impacts immigrants in Minnesota so these are like folks who generally would not be working together you know the Somalis would do their own thing 
the Mexicans would do their own thing, the Hmongs would do their own thing, but now we're all sitting at the same table. So I think that's a, a powerful thing. Um, uh, another thing is like there's more and more like more and more normal people or people who would normally not be involved in immigration related things who are involved who are uh, taking accompanying people to uh, courtrooms um, looking out for for uh, like community members when there are high periods of uh, potential raids that may happen you know so people are showing up yeah there's a lot of people who also are uh, straight up like too scared to be involved and then of course folks who just are not interested in helping yeah i mean we saw at this um ice protest here in minneapolis that the jewish community really showed up that day and it's 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 beautiful to see because you had i don't know i think it was like one of the ice officials um say oh well we're we're nothing like the nazis we're just taking orders what oh wow he just described what the nazis were (laughs) you know what i'm saying wow and so it's it's beautiful to see um yeah i appreciate all of that so 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 we're good but um we we will leave off if there's anything you wanted to mention say or get off your chest now's the time well i would just say like on that point that you made about the jewish community and like the history of like jewish people um being detained and in detention and concentration camps and also the Japanese internment camps that existed in this country. I never would have ever thought in my lifetime that there would be concentration camps full of women and kids. And so for me, it's like, it's very surreal. Um, It's, yeah, it's, you know, you would you would have thought that like we would have learned from our history but we haven't and here we are and honestly i'm surprised that more people are not pissed off i'm surprised that there aren't more protests um you know and i and i think that i think honestly that we will overcome this i know it sounds like cliche but I think the collective organizing that's happening nationwide, um, both, you know, just what's happening in Minneapolis, but globally even, is really going to cause uh, some kind of revolution. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, Yeah. That's that's perfect, because I was going to ask a question about, like, what's what hope is still intact and you answered it perfectly right there and i'm not gonna go we're not gonna ramble on about the fact that uh they uh, uprooted a government and 40 uh, a governor in puerto rico in 48 hours over crude text messages and, and we got camps and we got camps and we can't get one out of 350 million people one million out of 350 million people in 200,000 carpools and then get down to the border. That's a million folks. We could do 20, 30 million folks and go down there. And, yeah. and it's like, come on, man. <laughs> yep. And, you know, there's a lot of black immigrants at that border. A lot of yep. black people who, who've traveled, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles on 
foot, you know, uh, from West Africa, East Africa, from the Caribbeans, who are now stuck there and who are not only experiencing like the discrimination and um, like basically the the denial of their human rights by the U.S. government, but also are target of racism by the Mexican government and the cartels. You know, so there's, yeah, a lot of people think that black people aren't impacted by this. Brother, let me tell you, they are, and all these fucking policies that Trump's administration is pushing through, like their latest one um, is a proposal to uh, that the HUD, Housing Urban Development Department, is saying now that anyone who's on public assistance and lives with someone who's undocumented will not be eligible for public assistance anymore. Historically, HUD currently pays for only the eligible person. So if I am undocumented, live with my mother who's on Section 8, that rent is prorated and they're only covering her portion and I'm covering the rest of it, you know. And they're requiring everyone to, like, um, to provide documentation about their status. You know who's going to be impacted mostly by this? Black people. Not only black immigrants, but African Americans. Because we know our people struggle with these documents. Not a lot of people have birth certificates. Some people are old enough where they didn't even issue birth certificates. You know, and we're going to, yeah. So we are, as black folks in this country, need to like really wake up to that reality. That it's just not a Latinx thing. Yeah. Yeah, that and that's cool. That was great because that's exactly why I wanted to also lift up voices like you and Nikessa in this issue because we know that there's it's it's amazing that there is increasing solidarity, but in terms of the voices and the facts and the information, um, all the press is gonna ever show like the liberal press even is ever gonna show is brown folks in this issue. Um, yeah. In terms of ninety nine percent of the press, and so you know, we just trying to, we just trying to be here, and uh, you know, and put some shit out, put some good shit out. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for covering this, man. Yeah. Machinery of our country, but together, if we do this, if we disrupt midnight as usual with ICE deportations, ICE sentencing, we can start putting up that resistance. Yeah, absolutely. I also yeah. want to make an here? announcement before we start no the song that if you are planning on leaving, please leave with someone for your safety and make sure that you are mm. observing what's around you so we can stay safe today. Thank you, Miriam. All right. Why are you here today? I'm here because as a Jew, I know I have ancestors who narrowly escaped the concentration camps and some who didn't. And it is absolutely my responsibility to stand up against every similar thing 
and everything else that does not directly affect me that is going on until we see actual change and safety for everybody. Yeah. So what I'm in the middle of right now is an incredible collection of people, young Jews, immigrant-led organizations, and all of our allies coming together, singing Jewish protest songs in the street, blocking the um, road exits to the Whipple building, which is um, a deportation court, and making sure that we disrupt business as usual by holding our bodies here. There were some cars that tried to run the protesters over and we held them back with our bodies um, because we are here to disrupt business as usual and make sure that people hear us and hear what we're talking about. And we are here because we know that what is happening is an absolute atrocity and absolutely dehumanizing and unsafe and we will stand up until it changes. Happy to do it. Okay, why, why are you here today? I'm specifically here because I'm supporting my friend who's risking arrest, who is doing it out of a strong sense of faith that what is happening at the border, putting children and families in cages, is a horrible injustice that goes against her faith and all faiths. Um, and on a broader picture, I think this is the moment that we really need to be rising up, that uh, this has gone on uh, for far too long and we cannot allow ourselves to become complacent, so now is the direct moment that we need to be doing direct action. Okay. Whatever, whatever you want to say, just why are you here? Okay. Um, I'm here to say that never again is now and enough is enough. We know that ICE does not make our communities safer. It does not make our communities better. We are spending billions of dollars locking up children and families in cages, billions of dollars to build a wall at our border. Immigrants are not a threat. So we are here to say that as Jews with the um, we're here to say that as Jews holding our tradition and our histories and our culture with us we have learned from the past we are powerful because of what we've been through and we do not want this to happen to anybody else. Yeah, definitely. I am here because my Judaism compels me to fight for what is just and I think every Jew here feels that way as well. I'm here because I am a first-generation American and both of my parents are immigrants. I'm here because people should not be dying in camps. I'm here because asylum is a human right and I'm here because I cannot let any more deaths happen.
coming through here, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I can't move any of these people out of the street yeah. until like you have people. I'm fine with you guys right here, right now. And it's why we were trying to move everybody through that way to get yep. them away from you, so nothing like that happens in that. Yeah, I'm All just right. saying like you are going to exponentially increase the chances that people will leave if there are sheriffs that are making sure that people aren't getting hit by cars. Yeah, we're trying which to get. You guys definitely just failed. Yeah, we're trying to get enough resources down here, man. Okay. Rush our traffic. It's just taking a while. because this is a particular action in the Jewish community. So the Jewish community coming together to close the camps and um, have, an, have an opportunity to express our anger about the atrocious conditions in um, that ICE is creating for folks all over the country and here in particular. Um, and I think for me personally, as a Jewish person, as somebody who gets a lot of um, joy and connection out of ritual and community. A lot of what's happening here is chanting, using Jewish ritual to enact historical moments where we also have been um, uh, caged or um, experienced great a deal of genocide and uh, 
violence. Um, so right, right now you hear Olam Feset Ivane, which means like we will build this world from love. So just really thinking about like how can we bring in our own cultural experiences into political action. So like it feels really comfortable even though it's like very hot and like challenging in the elements to be in a space that also is weaving Jewish ritual in uh, political actions. where we uh, talk about the intersection of art and activism. Um, and I'm just interviewing people, why are they here today? Okay. No wrong answer. Um, well, she found out about the group and told me about it. And my parents are immigrants. Um, so that's why I'm here. I think what's going on is just wrong. It's not American. And it's just, uh, you know, anyone that stands for separating kids from their families, there's, there's no situation where that's correct so you know just here to support the cause can you tell say what the back of your shirt says because i love it injustice anywhere threatens justice everywhere nice would you be willing to say why you're here sure um i'm here because well one he's my partner and these days that makes me really nervous to um let him go some places because i worry that uh ice with their lies and they're not really caring who they grab they grab citizens they grab anybody who looks a certain way and i'm sick of it i don't like worrying when he's out of the house i'm worried something will happen to him i am also very upset that other people have to worry about that and that whole families have to worry about what's going to happen to their children and what's going to happen to their loved ones and i found out about this group and I liked them because they were going out and doing things on the street as well as talking to uh, government. And I thought, this is what I, something I want to get involved in. I want to come down and be part of this because 
enough is enough. Clearly, not they're not hearing us. They're giving more money to ICE. It's time to make more noise, apparently. Can you see what your sign says? It says, hey, Minnesota, we have enough snow. We don't need any ice. Cool, so why are you here today? I'm fucking here because kids are literally dying. Kids are being abused. Um, no person should be illegal. Um, fuck the cops. <laughs> fuck the police. Fuck 12. Um, fuck ICE. They're the cops. Fuck the U.S. for doing this and no one's listening. And so that's why I'm here. Sign My sign says abolish the police um, and ICE is the police, so okay. yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, the people that work in the building that we're currently occupying uh, are implicit very directly in the system that's supporting what's going on at the border right now. And this is, uh, I guess, our way of taking a stand and trying to put a stop to what's happening there. Perfect. You're here today. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, I'm just saying. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. I think it's just sort of our duty as human beings just to help one another. My well, I am also born from El Salvador too. My parents came here, you know, like to make sure like me and my sister have a better life. And even if you know, I was, even if I was born within the United States, I feel that it is still necessary to come here and like ensure that everybody else, you know, comes here safely and gets a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. People who are risking their lives today in order to fight against fascism, and then maybe I'll teach the, the English version. <laughs> all right, wish me luck that I remember all the Hebrew.
it is. I'll do a line and you can repeat if you feel up to singing. My God, my God, my God, my God. I pray that these things never end. I pray that these things never end. The sand and the sea, the sand. Well, I am Mexican, trans, mentally ill, and therefore constantly ready to fight someone right now. Uh, I've got family down in Houston and El Paso. One of the camps is within walking distance from where I lived with my cousin in, in El Paso. I, I'm constantly afraid that if my little sister goes to the uh, post office to send, my mo send me our mother's ashes, she's just going to look at the wrong cop, and that'll be the last I ever hear of her. This is my everyday. Add to that, two weeks ago, I called 911 because I am in a severe mental crisis. I say, don't send cops. I am upset. I will try to fight them. They send six cops. I wind up handcuffed to a stretcher. So, like, not even emergency services are safe anymore. It's this or it's actively violently breaking stuff. So I'm trying the nonviolent answer first because it's the last step. I mean, I, I'm really into like actually this sense of power you have from like singing together and being mm. in a space like this feels like really amazing in a lot of ways. Um, like even outside of like a, a protest or something like that people don't have that sense of like togetherness in their everyday life like maybe sometimes people go to church or they like sing in a band or something like that but it's not something that they can do in this way that breaks from like a, a normal everyday life I think that that like is really I'm sure really powerful for a lot of people that are here like but it's also like putting their body on the line to stop something and like the police haven't yet they're not like actually like arresting anyone people are like really in that much danger of that at this point like but they're intending to like do that so i think that's cool to support it that's like why i'm here too <laughs> 